Hello, uh, welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. I'm your host again, uh, Ian Lewins, one of the consultants there, and I'm delighted to be joined uh, this morning by one of my consultant colleagues in paediatrics, Dr Julie Smith. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. And today we're going to be talking about diabetes, which is your sort of field of expertise. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we all know what diabetes is, hopefully, but one of the key things for those of us in ED or those in primary care, it's all about recognition because the child in DK is hopefully easy to spot but we don't want them to get that far in the first place we want to pick them up sooner so for those of us in ED those in primary care what are your tips for picking those children up early well you're absolutely right there's been um long-standing issue with delayed diagnosis of type 1 diabetes so on the national audit about 25 percent are still presenting in dka so our aim is to try and catch those children sooner because dka is life-threatening and probably the best chance of a child being diagnosed early is if the children the the people looking after those children think about the diagnosis of diabetes and actually take them to the health professional go i wonder if this kid's got diabetes so a few years ago um you might have seen the diabetes uk um publicity uh, on the 40s trying to emphasize the symptoms of type 1 diabetes so thin they've lost some weight tired they're getting lethargic they're thirsty and they're going to the toilet a lot so the things you need to think about the child is not quite right the child has started to get up in the night for a wee when he never used to Um, the child has started to wet the bed when he never used to Um, and all those are maybe quite subtle at the beginning um but they're, and they're also more challenging in the younger children. Mm-hmm. So we're getting increasing numbers presenting in toddlerhood. So the child wearing a nappy, it may be harder mm-hmm. in a way to think about the, 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 the weeing more side of it. Those are the classic symptoms. Um, but you also need to think a bit outside the box because we're still missing cases who get nearer the DKA mm-hmm. when people haven't picked up on those symptoms. And so if you've got any sick kid, if you're a GP and there's a child in front of you who isn't quite right... Think about, could it be diabetes if they're breathing fast but they've not got a cough? Think about, are they acidotic rather than have they got a primary respiratory problem? So what I would say, if in doubt, check a blood sugar. It's an easy thing to do. So four T's. Four T's. Thirsty, I can never remember. Thirsty, Thirsty. thinner, toilet, tired. Tired. I did remember them. (laughs) Okay, so if, if the child is coming with any of those, keeping it in mind... Could this be diabetes? And if any of those, you know, the new onset bed wetting, it's such a simple thing Mm. to do a blood sugar. Yeah. And I would stress for those working in primary care, there is absolutely no place for sending this child for for a venipuncture via the phlebotomy service. Okay. So across the country, there will be a pathway in place. If you think about diabetes, they must be referred the same day to the local hospital. And that's nice guidance. So we should not be sending for a routine blood test that comes back 24 hours later by that point that child could be a dk so if you're out in the community and you do not have blood testing facilities you need to do a uh, finger prick yeah. blood test send them up to your local hospital and they'll be able to do it yeah. and it's much better to say oh that's you they haven't got diabetes off you go home than miss a case of dka yeah and it, it, you, you know it is very different adults versus pediatrics where you're thinking you know type two in the adults Absolutely. versus type one in the kids and i think that is a very good point so 95 percent of childhood diabetes is type one and it's the reverse in adults so 
if you're working in GP land, you may be kind of more in the type two mindset when you would send them off for mm. a random sugar and an HbA1c just to see if they were developing type two. But you need to get into the mindset of children is type one until proven otherwise. Okay, and that's really important. Absolutely. Um, I get not infrequent phone calls about I've seen this child who's been vomiting and I've dipped their wee. There's no sugar, but they've got lots of ketones. Yep. Are those the children that you're interested in or, or not? Not. So if you've got diabetes, you will have some sugar in your wee, whether you're a, especially if you're a new case, yeah. yeah? So if you're vomiting with no sugar in the wee, it's not going to be diabetes. But of course, if you're worried, you can do a blood sugar yeah. out in the community. Um, all of us will get fasting ketones if we don't eat for a while or particularly if we've got a gastroenteritis bug and haven't been eating. So in that case, if there's no sugar in the wee, it's unlikely to be diabetes and it's a straightforward gastroenteritis bug. Right. These are starvation ketones. Absolutely. Not. Not. However, yeah. the case when you have got sugar in the wee with vomiting is diabetic ketoacidosis until proven otherwise. Okay. And w- would you say that sort of any amount of sugar in the wee needs a bit of a deeper think about? Absolutely. I okay. think so, because we're still missing cases every year right. and not picking them up soon enough. Okay. Diabetic ketoacidosis is, is life-threatening. Ketones are we on their own, not too worried. Glucose, worried. Worried. Needs assessment. And needs, needs the blood it. sugar yeah. and take it from there. Okay. Yeah. And thinking about the referrals that you receive, I mean, most GPs will have a glucose. I've come across one or two who say we don't have a glucometer. Is that unusual? I mean, most people would most have Most people a, these days. Yeah. And, of course, as the practice nurse, they should be working alongside the GP. Yeah. They should be able to do a blood sugar. Okay. The days of doing urines are yeah. a bit passe. Okay. Um, we've got blood ketone testing now, too. Yeah. All our patients can test their blood ketones. That gives you an immediate level of blood ketones. Ketones in the urine, you know, the urine could have been in that bladder for a long, long time. Yeah. So it's harder to interpret. So we've moved on from urinary ketones. We don't really, okay. um, in the diabetic yeah. management, pay any attention to those. Okay. Um, so, child comes into to ED with this story of the four Ts potentially. What, when would you say if we do a blood sugar? Yes. At what level would you say? I think this child's got diabetes. You need to go. Well, we go on the the WHO recommendation, so it's random above eleven point one. Yeah. Fasting above seven. Yeah. Um, in the context of symptoms. Yeah. So it's important to look at the symptoms and look at the child because sometimes you can be caught out yeah. and sometimes we have children who just get a blood sugar taken because they're ill and it's a bit high mm. but actually they've got another diagnosis going on and they haven't got polyuria, polydipsia, excessive thirst and okay. excessive weeing. So if it's not hugely high mm. above 11 yeah. and they didn't come in with those symptoms, you just need to be careful. Mm. Yeah. And make sure they've washed their fingers. Make and sure those. they wash their fingers. So we, it's not uh, unusual that we have little scenarios like that that we monitor the blood sugars in the hospital. They settle down, mm. but we've got we can then do an HbA one C, okay, which is really good extra bit of information. So if you've, if you've got a normal HbA one C, are you not in the diabetic range yeah. and the blood sugar settle? It's likely that isn't diabetes, but it takes a bit of time. And we often send such children home with a blood sugar monitor. And check their sugars because the other scenario could it could be just very early in their diabetic journey, or they could have had some steroids for asthma, mm. and that could have just 
they could have been developing diabetes and that could have just pushed them on their way. So we take these kids seriously. Mm. We often keep an eye on them for a few weeks just to see what happens to their sugars. After a couple of weeks, we've got a whole load of blood sugars and they're all looking good. Got an H1C that's normal. We can say, I don't think it's diabetes, but alert the parents to the symptoms. So if they get the symptoms in due yep. course, they know they need to come, come to medical attention. So it's looking at the whole picture. It's not yes. just, oh my goodness, here's a number that's a bit high. They must have diabetes. Um, no. Um, and certainly we've, we've had a, you know, a few where they've had a slightly high sugar in the context of they're unwell with something yes. else. Um, one of the things that we, we do do is sort of bring them back for a fasting one maybe the next day and check it and it's normal. I, I think it's probably better. Okay. And we, we do. I mean, I've got two that I'm reviewing later on today. Okay. To actually contact the diabetes team, give them a blood sugar meter, get a profile of blood sugars. And we will do it with a, an HPLC. And also because we've got a point of care HPLC machine okay. in the department, right. um, we can get that done. I did one this week. You get an HPLC okay. straight off and I can put it so we can get an okay. idea of whether it's going to be diabetes or not on how worried we should be. Yeah. So often we're sending patients home to monitor their sugars. The vast majority of those don't end up having diabetes, mm. but it's safe. Yeah. It's all about being safe and not missing a diagnosis. And I guess it's you're trying to it's the sort of pre-diabetes yes. that you're trying to yeah. n- not miss. Because we've had a few like that that okay. have just come up by the by with something else, and so somebody's checked a urine or checked um, a sugar, and actually, oh, their sugars are just a little bit high. Yeah. And over the next twenty four hours, it evolves, and they have got diabetes. So we're playing it safe. Yeah. Okay. Um, because often people sort of talk about stress responses yes. and the sugars go up and giving some steroids. So your, your example of asthma, Abs- stress. Yeah. I mean, how high can you I've push seen your sugars? It, I've seen it up to maybe as much as 20, certainly high okay. teens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so it can and be. And always remember the washing of the hands. Yeah. Because if you've just eaten a bag of sweets or even, you yeah. know, an apple yeah. and you've got a bit of sugar on your hands, if somebody's just done... Yes. finger prick blood test and not wash their hands properly yeah. you can open a can of worms cowpole as well I'd imagine yeah. pretty good for I'm not sugar. sure the sugar free one not the sugar free yeah. one ok yeah. so so it's it's. but again the, the slight catch that is obviously high sugars maybe in somebody breathless and you're thinking oh this is asthma and giving steroids yes actually is it and that's where I guess a blood ketone can be helpful yeah or well, just even just doing the proper yeah blood sugar just monitoring thinking about the diagnosis and I think the challenging group to diagnose the easy ones are the ones that roll up I don't know age 10 age 12 they're thirsty they're going to the toilet a lot they're the easy ones because they're just like the textbook the challenging ones are the one year old Mm. he's not quite right or the one whose family don't speak English as a first language Um, and they often seem to be delayed as well because they just they're hard to communicate their symptoms maybe Mm. uh, and appreciate what's going on okay so we've made our diagnosis we've got all our symptoms we've got a high sugar but a well child so we're not going to talk about dk specifically today we've got a well child whose gas is normal yeah um what are the sort of tests are you wanting us to do whilst they're with us in the department okay so we've got a guideline and we follow nice guidance um, so in terms of the acute issues, you definitely need a true glucose in the lab. Yep. You can't just rely on a point of care test. You need to send a true glucose. We need to send an HbA1c 
that helps confirm the diagnosis, could be in the diabetic range, and then it helps us monitor response to treatment over the next few weeks as the HbA1c falls. Um, we need to look at their electrolytes because even if they're not in DK, they might be teetering in DK. We just need to look at their sodium, which may be, mm. if they're just borderline, might be on the low side, see their potassium. Um, those are the really important ones acutely, but we yeah. also send routinely celiac and thyroid because there's an increased risk of celiac and thyroid conditions with type 1 diabetes and a number will be diagnosed with celiac disease at the same time with very few symptoms. Right. Okay. Which can be quite upsetting. And challenging. And challenging. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I, in my time sort of with these children, I've seen a huge variety of, of approaches to the management um, from you don't hit the wards at all to you're admitted for days on end. Yes. Because there's no sort of community support to yeah. help these, these children. I mean, is, is the push in the well diabetic new diabetic to manage largely as an outpatient um it's changed over the years and, and it depends where you're working but mm. i think generally you were probably moving towards just because of the staffing of actually admitting okay so if you look at the model in germany which has very very good outcomes they will admit that child to the ward for at least a week maybe two weeks mm. for a whole education program now we don't have the resources in in the uk to deliver that yeah but actually, it's all about education. And what we're doing now is we're doing carbohydrate counting from diagnosis. Okay. So also in parallel to how we manage it, also the insulin regimes we're using have changed. So now we're doing intensive insulin regimes on everybody with carbohydrate counting up and running within the first couple of weeks. Okay. Um, there's also the psychological aspect to think about as well. So actually, it, where I work, and I, it's a model that's probably followed pretty much around the country, is we admit to the ward, and then they get a sort of a programme of education which takes maybe 24 hours, 48 hours. Okay. It's a very scary diagnosis to have to manage. Mm. Um, and you know, if you've got a bigger team, you might be able to go home and deliver that at home. But actually, I think... Parents often feel safe to be in the hospital. Mm. Um, and so we may spend 24, 48 hours delivering that education and getting them doing quite high complex stuff, mm. perhaps more than we were doing a few years ago, and then sending them home and our team are in contact on a daily basis with more face-to-face -face reviews okay. over the first few weeks. I guess that's really important because, you know, you're giving these people a lifelong diagnosis of something that's going to impact on their daily lives significantly. Yeah. And maybe saying, well, we'll sort it all out at home. I, I think actually right. it makes it seem more serious. Mm. And also I think it's really important to tell the parents that that, that it is a life-changing diagnosis mm. and they should be taking time off work. So if you were in Germany, your health insurance would, oh, right. okay. would let you take time yeah. off work. We're not so good in the UK, but certainly over the years I've been telling more and more parents, actually, this is a big diagnosis. Mm. And the children that do best and have the best outcomes are those that the family are on board at the beginning, educated well about it and are supportive. That is not achieved by going straight back to work the next day. Mm. So, you know, going to your GP, getting signed off, saying this child has had a life-changing diagnosis and I've got to learn about it. Mm. And that's the way we should be playing it. Okay. And the, the more we've got especially with split families, the mm. more we've got both families on board taking time out of their life to cope with the psychological impact of it and also learn the stuff, the better the outcome, I would say. Okay. 
that's really interesting actually because uh, you know having seen the we don't want to hit the wards is there a danger that it sort of gets downplayed a bit as a I think so. And people have very busy lives, and I was just a bit of diabetes. Da, da, da. Yeah. But now, actually, we are asking them to do very complex things now. Mm. You know, carbohydrate counting their meals. You know, they're not on set doses of insulin anymore. They've got to carbohydrate count every meal from mm. first few days. There's a lot to learn. Okay. And the psychological impact on that can be quite devastating. Mm. So I think they everybody needs to give them time, the sort of their own space to come to terms with that. Okay. Okay. So they come in. Yes. Um, how do you decide what sort of insulin you're going to start from the outset? Is it dependent on age? Or? So things have actually moved on. And since I think the last NICE guidance in 2015 is that every child should be on an intensive insulin regime from diagnosis. Okay. They weren't always back in the day. Younger children, we perhaps didn't do that. So everybody now gets a basal insulin, and it varies yeah. depending on where you work, but it's either usually... Uh, glargine or lantus or detamir otherwise known as levomir so you've got background insulin and then you use the fast-acting insulin which is usually over rapid okay so every time they eat generally start with three meals a day they get fast-acting insulin um, for their meal and they get a long-acting insulin okay but we're also more aggressive than we used to be so within a day or so of diagnosis we're also adding in a correction dose of nova rapid if their sugars are above target at each meal so there's a calculation being done on the ward, which is dose for the food, yeah. with carbohydrate counting starting, okay. and a dose to bring their sugar down into target. Right. So there's evidence that the sooner you get the blood sugar stabilised, the you get better preservation of pancreatic function. Right. So we've got it in our unit. We try and get our HbA1c down to 48 uh, by three months. Yeah. Um, and there's some evidence that that can give a prolonged honeymoon period and a better HbA1c for longer. Right. So we're much more aggressive than we used to be. Okay. Um, because generally the out the H one C averages in the country is this country are not as good as some other centres in Europe. And there's been a big drive of investment to try and get that down and this is part of it. Okay. Right, because uh, you know my experience from a hundred years ago was uh, sort of let them run high to start with. Uh, yeah, yeah. N- now we are much more aggressive. Right. The patients go home with a a bolus calculator advisor meter, so it's a snazzier meter. Okay. Then you might give out to maybe your adult type twos. Okay. It's programmed with their insulin to carbohydrate ratio for each meal. Okay. Which we've worked out. It's programmed with a formula to correct a blood sugar if it's high. And this meter's a clever thing. So you do blood sugar, yeah. dial up how many carbohydrates you're about to eat, you know, hundred grams of carbs for yeah. a big meal. The meter calculates it all. Okay. And comes up with a dose. This is how much you need. This is how much you need. Right. Okay. So things are, you know, much more intensive, much more aggressive. Outcomes starting to look better. Okay. Thinking about carbohydrate counting, then how easy is that to do? Quite. E- it's easy. All oh, well, right. Okay. Relatively easy, <laughs> and you know, because we have challenging, more challenging families. If you haven't got English as a first language, yeah. I would say the majority of our families, we've managed to carbohydrate can there's lots of resources there's lots of apps carbs and cows is a is a book and an app we use okay it's a pictorial book and the app you look at your picture of how much you're eating tells you how many carbs in it um we get our patients are all given scales as part of their newly diagnosed package yes. and, and they're taught by the dietitian so they start a bit on the water they do it over the next few weeks um with actually great success i would say okay so it's a bit of an inconvenience, but it's not 
dreadfully difficult? No. Okay. And it's a mindset. A few years ago, we were doing it maybe six months, a year down the line, mm-hmm. as they were coming out of the honeymoon period. And then the parents found that quite challenging. Yeah. Because psychologically, they'd got used to doing it one way, yeah. and then suddenly you were telling them to do it another. Do it from diagnosis. You don't know any different. You don't know any different. And also, it really reduces the variability of blood sugars. Okay. So that's the advantage of carbohydrate counting. You're matching your insulin dose to what you're eating, and you have got much less variability. Okay. And that is relatively acceptable to parents? Parents yeah, generally well, get okay with it? And... Yeah, it's a standard we have to meet now. Okay. And actually, if that's you say that's how it is, that's how it is, and it's doable in the vast majority. Okay. Okay, that's that's really very clear, actually. That, that sounds more straightforward than I thought it was going to. So, so that's, yeah. that's good. The other group of people that we meet occasionally are those children who've got the insulin pumps. Yes. Um, how do they work, and how do you pick who gets a pump? So there's strict, um, nice guidance on who should get an insulin pump. Okay. So if you're over 12, then you, the criteria are a bit more specific. Uh, you need to have um, a high HbA1c okay. or have issues with hyper, severe hypoglycemia or the main ones. Okay. The under 12s um, is less specific and certainly um, there's a, the feeling would be that the younger child, especially the toddlers, mm. it should probably be a thing to think of first line. Okay. Maybe within the few first few weeks of diagnosis. The reason, so what you do, what an insulin pump is, it is. Um, it contains fast-acting insulin. Yeah. There's two sorts, but the one generally used is one with some tubing to a little cannula, and it delivers a steady trickle of insulin. Okay. So rather than a basal insulin, which is going in, trickling in from the subcutaneous tissue over 24 hours, yeah. this pump is delivering an hourly rate of insulin. Okay. So the advantage of that for us is physiological insulin requirements are not flat over 24 hours. They vary. Yeah. So kids generally need less in the day, more late evening, a bit of a peak overnight, especially as they go through puberty. Yeah. So the advantage of an insulin pump is we can program it to deliver peaks of insulin right. or troughs of insulin when we need it. So you get much better control. Right. So it's trying to sort of more physiologically match yeah. what the body should be doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we can change that rate by 0.025 right. units oh, an hour. Tiny. Okay. And the other advantage of meal times is... Again, it's got the same kind of uh, technology in that the bolus calculator meter has, that they do a blood sugar, um, tell the pump the carbs, mm. and then they just literally press the pump and the insulin is delivered. Right. So the other advantage for little children is, again, you can change the dose by a tiny mm. increment rather than a pen, which is half a unit minimum. If you've got a fussy eater, mm. you can deliver a little bit of insulin up front. If they complete the meal... Yeah. You could give them the rest. Yeah. Problem with an insulin pen is you give the dose up front. If they throw it on the floor and refuse yeah, to yeah, eat, yeah. they've had their insulin, they're at risk of hyper. So I think there's definitely a, a big place for insulin pumps in the younger children because of the more precise nature. Right. But um, you need a well educated, well, we need to educate the families well because it's, it's not easy managing an insulin pump. Right. Um, so it's not for everybody. Okay. And there's risks with an insulin pump if that cannula has a little blockage in it gets disconnected but even the tiniest little blood clot mm-hmm. the insulin delivery isn't adequate and you can develop ketones within hours right so there's a much higher risk of diabetic ketoacidosis so you have got to make sure 
family or reliable with blood sugar testing, okay. etc., was there was a risk of decay much more than if you've got a basal insulin glycoglargine yeah. hanging around. It's okay. protective. Okay. Are they dreadfully expensive? As um, well? They are. They well, I can't remember. Maybe about three grand for the pump. I don't okay. Because it's quite a. They are much more expensive for doing insulin injections. Yeah. The other thing that it's worth mentioning, we've now got continuous glucose monitoring okay. available, which yeah. certainly GPs will be aware of. And there's two types of that. Um, there's a device called the Libra, which is flash glucose monitoring. Yeah. Um, we're very lucky in Derby. We've had funding for a year, and that isn't the same across the country. Okay. But from April, it should be available across the country. Um, and that's called flash glucose monitoring. And the child wears a uh, monitor on their arm sticks there for two weeks yeah. and they can scan it with either a equivalent of a meter or just their phone yeah. and immediately get their blood sugar and the direction of travel of the blood sugar so it's okay. absolutely transformed many families and many children's sort of quality of life and also management of their diabetes okay. because they could be much more proactive and aggressive with giving insulin doses we're avoiding hypos because they know exactly what's happening with their blood sugar which way it's going got little graphs to look at without having to resort to a finger prick. Okay. Straight off. And then there's another one, uh, which is called real-time continuous glucose monitoring with alarms, which is primarily funded for those with um, hypoglycemic unawareness. So mm. the, the preschoolers kind of fit into that is one big group. Because this device, which they're wearing constantly, is set to alarm if it predicts this child is going hypo. Right. Because the big worry with developing brains is hypoglycemia yeah. and effects on neurodevelopment. So now we can run much tighter diabetes control if we're doing it with real-time CGM. Okay. Because it's a long bit. So that's sort of the... the so it's, it's much more aggressive, really. It's the technology more, of the past yeah. few years, and just available now in the UK, is the first closed-loop system, which... Um, people, children will start to be going on. Right. Again, with strict criteria. So now... Well, the pump's available, links to a CGM, mm. and completely manages the diabetes with a closed loop. Right. Clever stuff. Clever stuff. So, yeah, it's an exciting time for diabetes. We're, the stuff we're doing is is so different than, let's say, okay. even say five years ago. Okay. And then, finally, just thinking, we've got our child, we've set them up on our insulin regime, they've gone home, and then they come back to sort of the clinics. Yeah. Um, for those people who've, who've sort of not sat in on a diabetes clinic, what sort of things do you do, you, do, you do in a say a routine diabetes yeah. clinic? So we have um, we have to um, it's recommended that we see children routinely every three months. Yeah. So they get four clinic appointments a year with an H1C minimum four a year. Though so if they're new, we might see them more often yeah. or they're struggling. Um, all our patients pretty much um, are able to download their meter at home. Right. So we use a web-based system. They download their meter um, so they can look at it at home and we can look at it in okay. the hospital. So in the clinic appointment now, rather than back in the day, we used to have a little blood sugar book, yeah. which might have been filled in. It might not have been filled yeah. in. Sometimes it wasn't filled in very accurately. Now we've got the data on a computer screen. Yeah. Blood sugars, lots of graphs about percentage, hypos, time in target etc. So we'll look at that. I think it's a really good opportunity in clinic to be educating the families okay. about how they can look at it at home. So you can't cheat the monitor? Whereas can't you can't cheat the monitor. 
Yeah, so in clinic, it's about checking their HbA1c, checking their height and weight, seeing how they're getting on. Okay. But using it as an education. You know, these children are missing a lot of time at school already, so we need to do as much as we can in that three-monthly clinic appointment. Um, So the dietitian's available, the nurse is available, um, assess whether they need some psychology input, um, and talk through what their problems are. Okay. And, 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 you know, there's a key, the key thing there is it's, it's, it's not just you, it's, it's a big team, isn't it's it, a around team. these families? Yeah. And also you have to respect the families. They're living with this 24-7. Yeah. We're seeing them for half an hour. Yeah. Four times a year. Yeah. They own their diabetes. Yeah. And you need to work with them to get the, the best out of that and, and educate them so they can um, well, to try to get the expert patients so they can self-manage their diabetes and all these devices that are coming up are, are helping that okay. um, and the nurses are also in between clinics are able to do lots of remote reviews by email because the meter can be downloaded at home okay. we can look at it in the hospital have a bit of email consultation so or a telephone call don't need to do the face-to-face stuff not necessarily quite as much quite as much no okay brilliant that's fantastic. That's a fabulous introduction to, to sort of diabetes that those who, who, who coming into it maybe. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Julie. Thank you. Okay.